I think it's a little bit too early for Halloween movies. Was this a Halloween movie? Like, yeah. I felt, well, I jumped a lot more than I wanted to jump tonight. That's a, that's a horror, though. Well, you, Harry, yeah, uh, but, you know, Harry it's Potter based on ha- Halloween. Um, you know, it's it's just weird timing. Like, it's mid-September, and there, and this, and this is a this is a Halloween themed murder mystery. Surely bring it out like literally this time in four weeks. Yeah, maybe that was the intention originally, and it was I don't know. Uh, they changed the date for whatever. A haunting in Venice. So, a themed Agatha Christie murder mystery, and I always get confused. Like, if you read the Agatha Christie book, we always just know. Who is? Why? Well, Before what coming mean? in to see the films and stuff. Because oh, yeah, it, it's based on it, right? Yeah. But even if the characters are different and the plot's slightly different, the reveal's probably going to be the same. Yeah. Well, that's the case with the the murder on the Orient Express. It's like verbatim the plot of the book. How many Agatha Christie? Are there like tons and t- like? Tons, could, is the, yeah, could this tons. go on for years? It could. Um, like where we in James Bond goes on you know disappears and we get who's the next Poirot <laughs> probably not quite that size <laughs> but nah yeah this could go on for a while like there's a ton of Agatha Christie novels she's got loads and loads of plots um, and she is kind of one of the uh, like the quintessential names in the uh, murder mystery genre isn't she but who she kind of dominates it like she's one of the biggest um, writers of that genre for sure um, but I mean it does sort of strike me as like Kenneth Branagh's already kind of running out of the big titles because while yeah there's loads of Agatha Christie novels Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile probably the two biggest like they're Mm -hmm. the ones everybody knows or at least knows the name of yeah um we're already at a point three in maybe it's maybe this is the last one I don't know but like three of these Kenneth Branagh uh, Poirot movies in and we've already got to the point where we're renaming them because mm. this one was based on I think it's called A Halloween Party yeah yeah um, and obviously it's titled A Haunting in Venice yeah but it, but is that to um, not throw you as an audience member a little bit oh you know oh maybe this isn't what I'm expecting the thing is I th- are, we, are we also at a point where the audience going to watch these films may not have read these books because as time goes on I think that's a fair comment like yeah yeah, as time goes on people are less likely to have read you know Agatha Christie originals yeah I don't think many I don't think many people of our generation for example have sat down and read many Agatha Christie novels Um, because would you have come to and watched this film having read if you'd read The Halloween Party or yeah, Death of the Nile. Do you think? Well, I read. If you knew what's, if you knew exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I read the Murder on the Orient Express, and I still went to see it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think there's why. It's, well, it's an adaptation. It's not a. It's, it's you, you don't go to it to watch. The whole it point of one of these, though, is to, is to is for you to be suspended a mystery, until the end. I'd agree to an extent. I see what you mean. Like that's the point of the genre, but that's not the point of an adaptation necessarily. So like the best example of this is show uh, that I can think of is Sherlock Holmes. Like yeah, okay. You, you know, like if you've read the original Sherlock Holmes stories, like you've read Arthur Conan Doyle's works, 
it doesn't necessarily make you think well I'm not going to bother with the Benedict Cumberbatch Martin Freeman thing on BBC or whatever when that came out because I know what happens you know it's the modern spin on it yeah okay. with, the, with a new actor taking on that character um, we've had movie adaptations of Agatha Christie in the past I'm sure we've had other um, yeah. people play Poirot I can't call them to mind. I'm sure lots. Well, I had the TV series that went on for years and years. And yeah, years as well. and yeah. Like I think there's a really su- the super famous names that you know. I'd, I'd say you know Kenneth Branagh certainly isn't the person you think of when you think of Poirot, mm-hmm. like the the actor of Poirot. It's the modern take. It's the new one. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's trying to do something different. And it definitely is. I mean, I could. I kind of thought coming out of uh, Murder of the Orient on the Orient Express. All those years ago, what was it like three, four years ago now? Something like that. Maybe a little bit even longer than maybe that. Maybe even longer than Five, that. Five, maybe six. Well, when I came out, I really enjoyed that movie, but I came out thinking it was a little bit sort of like lacking in edge, maybe. Mm. Like there was nothing different to it than the plot, really. Yeah. Like it, there was, it was cool, it was funny. And yeah. I really liked Kenneth Branagh's performance and it, it was really enjoyable, but it wasn't like, it didn't feel like a new independent. Uh, spin on it it didn't feel like it separated itself enough from its uh, source material to have its kind of own identity as a new modern Kenneth Branagh take yeah you know? I mean and it was it was slammed a little bit and I, and I think there had already been a murder on the Orient Express not too many years before that um, <laughs> I'll probably have to fact check facts check while we're recording here but I, I wonder if that was maybe just an in- introduction yeah, well, perhaps yeah. Into the you know into the death of the Nile because then Gal Gadot was on you know is the the brought in a big star for the death of the Nile, right? Um, and like I feel like death of the Nile got a really big push, you know. So I, I actually haven't seen cinematics. It. That's the one I haven't seen. Yeah, I think I've seen it three times at this point. Really? Um, so you could actually ask why have I rewatched it. <laughs> If, 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 I, if, I, if I knew exactly what was going to happen, to be fair, because because again, it's fun and it's it's that um, the cinematography is quite uh, glorious and it's all bright colours and I like a lot of the actors in it as well. Um, and I think, but I think that's going to be the effect impact of this. You know, you're going to get star cast members every mm-hmm. every time one of these films are released, and I think. An actual positive of them doing the big ones first is, I think, that some of these lesser-known Agatha Christie not uh, mysteries that people have, are less likely to know about will then actually end up looking like genuine mystery and like something they've not yeah. seen before. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I would still like push the uh, the argument that like although the point in a who done it is who done it. Like bringing new ideas and sort of framing it in a new way with these plots in a new way that is like brings or creates a new movie and in a way the plot and the outcome of, of what actually happens and you know the sort of the reveal at the end isn't actually the most important when it comes to sort of like a retelling and a uh, and an adaptation hmm. um, so I was wrong it Nineteen seventy four was was the first murder on the Orient Express. So what's happened there is somehow I've watched that one very recently as well. Right. So so I've I've thought there were two murder on the Orient Express and this Kenneth Branagh series was just a remake 
but actually I've just watched the original from 50 years ago mm. um, for, for whatever reason probably at Christmas or something yeah because that's what that's when those kind of films come back around um, I think that the uh, haunting element actually added the you, you the criticism of, of for the Orient Express for you was um, that it wasn't tense enough or what was it sorry well yeah I mean I described it as not maybe having enough of an edge yes but I think maybe when it comes to um, haunting in Venice this one maybe had too much <laughs> yeah yeah um, an awful lot of edge I, I I really liked it I liked the darkness yeah. that this film was set in. There was the um, enclosed and confined space that you like, um, which is the same on the Orient Express, to be fair. Um, and uh, to be fair, I mean, and Death on the Nile, really. Um, you know, the confined space, the short periods of time. Um, but yeah, the, the darkness and the kind of suspense throughout the film um, was a really good addition. Because what, what I do find with these, because they're adapted from novels written so far in the past there has been so many mystery type writing that has come since Agatha Christie that like reveals end up never being that surprising and you yeah. can always find the cues that you need to know who committed murders in this kind of frame Yeah. Um, so the actual suspense throughout the film and the like uncertainty that I felt um, I, I think actually really added to it like if this is broad daylight in a in a fancy m mansion or something I th I think you get a completely different feeling about this so the suspense mm. made me enjoy the film more and I think I'll look back on it quite fondly because of that yeah I think I, I loved this movie I really enjoyed it um, for the same reason um, and I think something else that I uh, that I don't know, really stuck out to me was that there was obviously an attempt to use techniques from traditional horror movies and like modern horror. I was not expecting this to be a horror mm. at all. And I, I'm sure like diehard horror fans will say it's not. But yeah. There are horror tech there are horror elements and tropes in there. Like you can't argue argue with me there. <laughs> um and I really enjoyed that and what it did was it separated this as I say I haven't seen Death on the Nile, but it separated this one from the other two. And this, that for me, like makes this almost like a an acceptable movie series. Mm -hmm. I don't like the concept of movie series that much, like because I think movies uh, stand out more when they're standalone. Mm. Um, but this, like this Kenneth Branagh prior is moving in the right direction for me because you know I'd be excited to see another one because I know it's going to be different. Yeah, because it's not like it's just doing just cranking out like verbatim plots of Agatha Christie novels with him as Poirot and there's a bit of modern humour thrown in there and that's it and a big cast it's actually a bit more than that it's like they'll really lean into the semantic field and the the kind of like the atmosphere of each one and from everything from the cinematography to the sort of like to the themes explored like is unique to that movie and that setting and that plot and those characters and the only sort of like common denominator is Poirot mm. it doesn't have to build it's not building towards you know the next one doesn't have to be bigger and better just different mm. and I like that it's like a different flavour of the same product mm. 
and that like for me works like in a way that's kind of what Agatha Christie novels are mm. <laughs> they're maybe a little bit formulaic um but I think this new sort of like with you know all the techniques and technology in modern cinema that's a way to keep it really fresh you know because even though the plot might be formulaic or even predictable at times or even just outright you know you already know it <laughs> um the movies have you know or potentially will have like this really independent feeling every time yeah so what so at what point did you work out who the murderer was or did you really I mean I know I whispered to you bef- uh, probably only about like two minutes before the reveal I said I know it's the mother but I don't know why yeah like, did, did you, you called work it completely. out early I, no I didn't so I had, I had two tells um, and the set I didn't link them together so the first one was was the motive when I found out that um, the the husband or the ex-husband tries to come back in to the daughter's life mm. you you've seen it before you've seen that that could be a motive to try and keep someone keep a couple apart when you think one person's not good for the other so you do what you can to keep them apart mm. so I was like okay that could be a mother's motive to like um to you know to prevent to to kill a daughter but then I was like she wouldn't kill a daughter just to keep her away from this man yeah um and the second one was so classic it was the lock of the door giving Poirot the key yeah and going this is the only this is the only door this is the only key and I went in my head I was like okay well she's definitely (laughs) she she definitely knows there's another door so I thought so I thought she'd maybe gone in and found a a new knew about a trap door but the you know I could I just couldn't link why it was specifically her but it was you know it was interesting and and um, the reveal was quite cool, and and there were more guilty parties than just her, but um, which I also found really interesting. Like mm. I, I thought the boy wasn't real throughout the movie. That, <laughs> that, that was one we're of the at things. A point now like... where we're looking, for that, <laughs> yeah. we're looking for characters to be hallucinations. <laughs> like that's just coming up too often. Yeah, I was like, can everyone be like hallucinate with this boy? I mean, they are hallucinating <laughs> about children yeah. being in there so I was like maybe that boy's not real either but um, no he was he was just a very intelligent young man mm. seemingly way too intelligent for his age obviously mm. but um, I think one of the things I like the most about these films particularly is is the connection that they have between them so that, so obviously um, Poirot has this you know he's a, he's a, vet, he's a veteran and the, the callbacks I think are really like a really nice personal touch. Like if he, you know, with the doctor, he could sense that the doctor was a veteran as well. Yeah. And and that really like adds a lot of character and depth to to these stories that, you know, on their own could be at risk of just being those standalone pieces that maybe miss the mark in terms of like connecting with an audience or something like that. Mm. Whereas this is like a consistent, like consistency through st- stories is always really good you know and, and and this is going to be a series so that having that well, consistent is, element yeah you know but not just a, dropping the fact that he's a veteran you know actually kind of drop it. feeding in when it's necessary yeah I, I, I really like but that's I mean that's a characterization point that really you got to give Agatha Christie credit for mm. she wrote this character true um and they're just using they're just using him really and and the plot sort of framework to create new takes mm. 
Uh, and they're doing it well. Yeah. Um, you don't get standout performances in shows like in films like this, though, do you? Like, I feel like you never. I never feel like, wow, this act said actor did really good in this role. I don't know if you disagree or. It might be that might be just a symptom of ensemble casts, you know. It does seem like all of the, well, so far all three have just been like absolutely stacked casts mm. with loads of big names that are all trying to like. I mean, it's not even. What's quite nice is that there's obviously love in these movies, and like they're obviously doing this. For, not for fun but you know what I'm saying yeah. like for the love of it for the enjoyment rather than like it, I mean it's, it's not Oscar bait no. you know you've got an ensemble cast you've got tons of big names and they're not all competing with each other to stand out it's not mm. like an, then no one's seeing this as a big opportunity to really shine or mm. you know like I mean Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker just just screams that energy doesn't yeah. it like it's just like you know an opportunity like Jamie to, Dornan's just in the background here as a anxious doctor yeah 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 that, exactly yeah and it's just like you do it because it's Kenneth Branagh and it's it's almost like an ode to cinema and to classic murder mystery it's to the genre it's to what Agatha Christie is and was yeah it's to you know it, it's it's like almost an honour to be part of it yeah. rather than it's not trying to be more than it is there's no like ego to it it's just trying to be good and true to to Agatha Christie and like a new take on it and enjoyable yeah and you know it's funny I want to make the comparison to um, Knives Out and Glass Onion mm. you know um, Benoit Blanc's character played by um, Daniel Craig what was I about to say Matt Damon Daniel, yeah, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig. Um, who I also love by the way I love yeah. Benoit Blanc I think he's I think it's brilliant <laughs> and it's interesting isn't it like there's a comparison there's there's kind of similarity between Kenneth Branagh's prior or maybe mm. just prior generally. Well, my thoughts are there's a glass there's another one of those coming out. Oh yeah, on Netflix to kind of yeah 100%. go. Oh yeah, you brought one of those out. Well, <laughs> we're gonna break. Yeah, one but out it's, now. it's 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 interesting but. that this genre, the murder mystery and the who done it, um, are kind of like quite popular at the moment. Yeah, a massive a revival. Reason. Yeah, huge, big huge revival in cinema. Because there, there was also um, see how they run which was a, a, a comedy mystery that took place in a theatre during an Agatha Christie play called, you know, The Mousetrap. Um, oh, yeah, that's another one of her big titles. So that was like a mystery within a mystery. Um, and, and, yeah, there definitely seems to be an appetite for this style of cinema at the minute. And I... I, I don't it's know just why. The genre, I think, isn't it? It's cool. I mean, it's 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 cool that it's getting a revival. Um, it's definitely interesting. I worry it's gonna. This is gonna go on for quite a while and maybe overstay its welcome. And... Well, the thing is, though, if if this keeps going with the Kenneth Branagh, you know, versions, as I sort of already alluded to, like, if the if he keep if he keeps bringing in different conventions from different genres it might it, it, I don't think it will get old yeah. or at least it will it, you know a lot slower yeah it's not like it's just we're just going to run out a bunch of like murder mystery movies or whatever they all will feel completely different like I don't feel like I sat through exclusively a murder mystery today. Yeah. it was like kind of a horror movie as yeah, well yeah. there was there was elements of classic horror and kind of like very theatrical 
kind of like jump scares and you know what I mean like all that kind of thing but then I mean ultimately it was just a Poirot murder mystery yeah, but like yeah. it's got that kind of like it's it's masquerading as that as the mm. horror so the next one can masquerade as something else maybe you know um, I like how they bring comedy into it a lot you know I like how they bring like the quippy kind of lines in mm. um, yeah no cool I'm just waiting for the Kenneth Branagh's done five of them and then Idris Elba gets picked or <laughs> yeah. nah. <laughs> I mean, so there's another storm brewing because you can't have some you can't have Idris Elba being Poirot <laughs> <laughs> can't already, have a black Poirot already, already pulled himself out of James Bond uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I think I'm really enjoying them for now um there's, yeah, there's really not like like it is what it is. There's not really much to criticize about these films because you know what you're getting when you go in. Yeah. To see these types of films, um, you got the list there. How many Poirots have the have the? I been? mean, I'm, I've just googled it. Like, I literally just the name Poirot, right? I so mean, the, there's the a... one that everyone will recognize and remember is David Suchet. I hope yeah. I ruined his name. Uh, but from I the mean, TV series. There's a list of like pushing thirty other names. That's that's. Crazy, only, John Moffat. And only two or Alfred three on Molina, Wikipedia don't have Charles any, yeah. Lawton, Francis L. Sullivan, Orson Welles, John Malkovich. There's a ton. There's a ton. There really is. Like a lot of people have played this character. Um, so I mean, yeah. So it wouldn't be impossible for it to for it to change hands at some point. Well, it, I mean, it's um, changed hands. Well, yeah. <laughs> more than James Bond has already. <laughs> <laughs> You know, interestingly, fun little fact for you, um, someone told me the other day, the only ever fictional obituary that the New York Times has ever run was for the name Hercule Poirot. Wow. Yeah. They, uh, they ran his death, they recorded his death in, um, in an issue, despite being a fictional character. I mean, that's, that obviously shows the, the love for this character and, and the... Mm. You know, the desire for these stories to be you know produced and well and how ingrained I think he is in like I didn't realize popular that. culture yeah or like fiction history really he's uh, he is up there with Sherlock Holmes isn't he in the show mm. yeah yeah um, and, um what do you think of the setting Venice it, I found it really funny when um he's obviously in his on his balcony and um Oliver, what's her first name? Something Oliver. Oh, the writer. <laughs> uh, yeah. She well, anyway, she comes to him and says, you know what, you know, basically what you're doing in the sinking city, mm. and that's really interesting because, like, I think unfortunately, it is it's come to that point where she describes it as a sinking relic, doesn't she? Yeah. Venice is on is on the verge of sinking. Well, it always has been, hasn't it? But it's actually getting to the point where it's sunk now I think yeah <laughs> um, yeah I mean good setting for, for it or well yeah I mean it's, the, it's, the, it's obviously the setting of the novel mm. so that's not really so much um, their choice but what they did with they're in a different was... place every like a significantly different place every time like quite a historical but again that's Agatha Christie yeah. um, but what I think they do with it is brilliant like the cinematography in this one was was really stand out like weird angle shots all the time and mm. lots of them lots of very short shots mm. of just like you know the corner of a building the not even like a full sky 
line or whatever of Venice or nothing really that like grand just really small snippets are like of a, a strange angle of just one kind of corner of a building that's just very like very obviously Venice like it really got the character of that city across but also made you feel on edge like really like yeah. kind of like nervous there's a lot of like gothic kind of like um renaissance italy you know architecture and just vibe generally like that that um theme of like renaissance art and like fine art i guess just being yeah. and being like being used to push the horror and that's kind of interesting and it was done in a really cool way lots yeah. of lots of imagery and symbolism going on yeah i really enjoyed this movie i think but i think that was like let's have a look at the comments deal. for this film just to clear something up as well uh kenneth brenner has directed all three of them mm. yeah they're kind of his movies on it because we you know we saw the credits that that was quite interesting to us but yeah he has done all three of them um, so relatively well received by critics ish uh, fans I'm not sure how the, the it's quite kind of middle of the road for, they've all been rated quite middle of the road but um, let's go for a couple of bad couple of good reviews unwatchable forget the early 9 out of 10 reviews this movie is just terrible script is dull pacing and tonal issues but what really destroys the film is the visual mise on scene and terrible editing. The whole film is shot at strange jarring angles, many times with fisheye lenses. The camera also spins bizarrely for no reason. Disclaimer, I walked out 30 minutes before ending. I just figured I'd rather go home and do something I truly enjoy. I wonder what Dream Factory 534 went home to do. <laughs> It's a really strange criticism. Like very specific on the cinematography. Yeah, but I feel like he's just missed the point. Like it's not just for no reason. Now I can't really think of that many movies or TV series that I've ever seen where like the cinematography has been strange and it's not been to attempt to achieve like an effect. Oh yeah, I can actually Peaky Blinders, <laughs> the latest season of uh, Peaky Blinders or the latest few. I mean. Yeah, I was like trying to be edgy for just no reason there. But no, with this, like, the cinematography is certainly used for an effect, you know? This is funny, this one. One of the worst movies of the year. Wow, where do I begin? Me and my grandmother, who loves old-fashioned mystery thrillers, <laughs> ventured off to the theatre today. Um, she loved Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express, so she loved the first two, his grandma. Mm. Or her grandma. Um... I couldn't believe they they released this movie. My grandma hated this. Um, the action was atrocious. Action. <laughs> it's not an action film. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Casey Thurman. It's not an action film. Well, Most that, boring movie of the film? year, they say. Well, the same person. No, no. Some that, no, yeah, no. that person who took the grandma said it was the most boring movie of the year. But like mm -hmm. action, like. What? Why does everyone want action, first of all? I mean, I say there's quite a bit of action in this, but, like, not in terms of... It's not supposed to be, though, not, really. Well, no, not in terms of the genre, but, like, the action is, is, is what happens, right? It's, like, Poirot charging around trying to solve this mystery and tripping on hallucinogenic honey. <laughs> like, like there's, there's quite a bit that goes on. 
Like, there's quite a lot of plot. I mean, it's yeah. all plot. It's very plot rich. It's, it's a murder mystery. It's, it's an Agatha Christie, for God's sake. <laughs> you know? Like, I, mm. there's, there's no specific grievance there, though. Mm. 10 out of 10 loved it. This is a really great example of the old whodunit, only with the haunti- haunting to make it cooler. The mm. classic, we're trapped here and one of us is a killer, mm. but in a haunted house. Mm. Um, loved all three of these movies even though I never read the books but this one was really cool due to the hauntings um, great setting in old Venice great character not too scary just the right balance of everything I will give it not too scary because I was unsettled but I was you know and I was prepared you know I was thinking oh god this is gonna be a bit jump scary all the way through and I haven't what really watched horrors for a while so I'm not, mm. I'm I'm like very sensitive to jump scares recently. <laughs> I mean, the last kind of psychological thing I probably watched was like Get Out or something like that. So right. it, has, it has been quite a while. Well, but it's a good um, example of a of a movie that's using horror tropes without being a horror, or that you're using horror techniques without being a horror. It's a nod to horror movies mm. rather than an attempt to be one. Um, and their last comment was, "I hope they make a fourth movie." So, so, and I think they are going to. Mm, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Kenneth Branagh's got more in the locker. It's and it's cool. It's enjoyable. Like it's cool. I I hope to see another Knives Out instalment as well. Oh, there will be. There I mean, yeah, be. yeah, yeah. But like for the same reason because they, I don't know. There's like creative space there, isn't it? Yeah, and the the comforting movie. You know, they're movies that you sit down to. Well, yeah, and you just maybe this is another you, time that. Maybe there's another opportunity I, I could have to talk about um, that concept of a semantic field, because that's really what stood out to me, especially with Knives Out and generally across the board with these movies. You uh, you sort of question like why it came out at this time, and I see what you mean. Like it's obviously Halloween themed. Maybe it would be more appropriate to I don't know release it a few weeks later, like actually in October. But across the board, like with all of these with all the movies of the modern movies of the genre so basically anything that's um, Benoit Blanc or anything that's Kenneth Branagh's Poirot they're very autumnal one way or another mm. they feel it and like maybe that's just the genre as a whole like the Agatha Christie books were you know you'd sit home and read them on a rainy day like traditionally or whatever I don't know like there's something really comfort comforting you're Cozy, right. yeah. there's something like big jumpers and hot mug of tea about the whole situation because it's almost like the characters are are doing that all the time especially Knives Out you know like Knives Out the big isolated manor surrounded by woodland and like crunchy orange leaves on the ground you know <laughs> like yeah. tweed smoking jackets and all the rest like there's something really like I don't know they they create a semantic field for me yeah they're, I completely see what you mean with the word like comfort yeah, yeah. So, um, here's an interesting review. So, this is a 7 out of 10. Um, and the title is Much to Like, but Brana isn't Poirot. So, um, the change of setting is inspired. Um, it's got a superb script. The third actor is over a bit too quickly. Um, but fundamentally, the problem is Brana. He wants to be Poirot, but he isn't. He isn't idiosyncratic enough, or dare I say, talented enough. And he pales in comparison to performances that have been before. Genius of Peter Ustinov, only surpassed by the diligence of uh, David Suchet. 
one of the great and actors, greatest acting performances ever. Unfortunately for Branner, it's a tough school and he doesn't make the grade. Mm. Gave it a seven, feels like an eight, but because of Kenneth Branagh's love, le- love letter to himself, marked it down. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm trying to... Uh, yeah, personally, I'm not looking at this as a comparison between one actor or another playing the role of Poirot. I don't want Poirot, even though we've talked about it like it might be, to become one of those roles like the Joker or like James Bond, where it's almost like, you know, your opportunity to go toe-to-toe with acting greats in history. Like, can we just have fun with stuff? Can we just do stuff for to- for storytelling and, and for, you know, rather than for the opportunity to sort of like, I don't know, flex, really. I, I Maybe that is the case. I'm not, I don't, assume to know Kenneth Brunner's motive with this like I don't really care <laughs> you know what I mean like if, if it is a huge ego thing alright fine I enjoyed the movie though and I guess you could say the same about um, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker like I don't really have time for it but I enjoyed the movie really interesting another comment self-indulgent and weak in all areas self-indulgent I, I will definitely yeah that's, I'll cop to that that's definitely true First, I just have to admit, I don't think Kenneth Branagh is talented. He's decent, but he's a weak director. He's a decent actor, but he's a weak director. He never seems to get any good performances from his cast. Hmm. Mm. Well, we do, I mean, we, we commented that there was nothing spectacular about the performances, but we also, I think, both believe that they're not supposed to be. They're not, yeah. you know, no one's trying to, you know, one-up each, you know, each other here. It feels um, like a fairly egoless thing. I don't know about Kenneth Branagh, but again, it doesn't really make a difference to me. It was strange. I would like, well, like you know, I hear self-indulgent. I don't think that's all the way a bad thing. Like, it's mm. a very indulgent movie. It's very indulgent into the genre and the setting and all of that. But like, that's, that's okay. Yeah. But also that criticism, you know, he's a good actor but a bad director. If I was gonna criticize Kenneth Branagh, I'd put, I'd reverse that. I'd say his directing ability is pretty based just solely on this movie. Brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Acting arguably maybe weaker, especially if you're gonna put him up against big names from the past that played Poirot previously. But I don't think anything positive can come from doing it from that conversation. Yeah. Like I don't So a mi- you know. a mixed bag from viewers and I, and I think we so I definitely think with with the formulaic style, if you're unable to separate its formulaic style from like, you know, all the mysteries that like just but you get bashed out on Apple TV and Netflix mm. and this that the other, I think it's quite hard to, I think it can be hard to separate those out. You know, yeah. this is Agatha Christie. This is written almost a hundred years ago, so you can't expect the great twists and turns that she laid the foundations for, let's not forget, um, from something that's been adapted kind of straight from her. So I I think people maybe expect a little too much from something like this when it's, you know, it's it's the original form before you were able to do all the CGI effects that you do now and, and... all the people that have had 50 years to think of an adaption of an Agatha Christie but times it by 10 you know this is this is the this is where it all came from so I think it's it can I think a lot of those criticisms 
you know, around it being dull and 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 a weak script and formulaic. I, you can't. That's what you should expect when coming to see these films. It's a fun it is new fun. take yeah. on the scripture of this genre. Mm. Like, try and have an open mind and enjoy it. I would say, you know. Um, and Ben, you know, it's like almost like laying the foundations for Benoit Blanc to build on. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like those movies, or I, I mean, I thought um, Glass Onion was significantly weaker than the first, but yeah. I still really enjoyed it. Like, even if you don't like those movies, like, all right, fine. Like, but you know, it doesn't it, take it's, itself it's, too seriously. These. Yeah, it's 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 there's a space for it. That's mm. what I'm saying. Like, even if you know, if it's not for you, cool. But there's a space for it for sure. And it's interesting, like, what they're doing with the genre. I mean, you know, it's almost like it's rediscovering itself. There's a lot of these, you know, none of these directors, none of them, uh, or writers, are currently, in my opinion, living up to the likes of Sarafa Conan Doyle or Agatha Christie in terms of their writing ability. It's something discussed in the latest season of You, um, because that whole thing's framed around the, the idea of a murder mystery, and there's, there's, you know, it plays on the idea of, like, who's the killer who's the Rick's killer and shock it's the psychopath we've been following the whole time so like <laughs> not really a surprise again but they kind of try to use that like yeah. those conventions and they even uh, throw in the conversation between Joe and his student about the uh, the structure of a um, a classic whodunit um, but it's funny it, I do feel like some of them Benoit Blanc Kenneth Branagh's priority they do kind of make them some mistakes um, you talk about coincidences you know I think like coincidences are fine when they set up the story but not when they solve the plot not when they solve the, the case you know and there was a little bit of that in this I, you mentioned when reading out those comments one of the criticisms somewhere said something along the lines of the third act being wrapped up a bit too quick I do agree with that mm. Poirot suddenly steps out on a balcony in front of everybody in classic Poirot you know solipsism and goes I've been tripping on honey this is what happens it was the mum she, she uh, your daughter overdosed yeah. and died and then you threw her out the window and you're thinking like there's there's a few too many leaps you're making here like how do you know that you threw her out the window and she didn't get up and stumble and fall while you know under the influence of the poison or whatever like you know there's, there was just a few too many Conveniences that tied it up. Yeah, that is always like the major downfall of this genre, or in the like when you're writing this genre, it's always like conveniences or coincidences to wrap the plot up. Always shoot holes in it. Yeah, is in its integrity for me. Um, I think it's very classic, and it happened in this one. But again, I would argue, and this is out of character, that the plot is not the most important here. The plot's already there. You know, go read uh, the book, go read the novel, I can't remember what it's called, Halloween Party, Halloween Party. if that's what you're after. This is a fun new spin on it. Yeah. And it's more than that. It's the merging of genres. It's the modern take. It's something else. Yeah. It's trying to be creative. And maybe that's going to be like the Easter egg that gets left in. The The conclusion is always going to be a bit holy. Maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not quite, yeah. actually. Well, yeah. No, yeah. But that's probably not... You know, it leaves you thinking, well, that's not really evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Intuition should only really go so far. No, I, I did, because when I when I whispered to you, oh, it's the mother, I did think, wow, he's actually wrapping it up now. Yeah. And then I was kind of thinking, based on what? And then, and then obviously, 
you know Pereira kind of lays it all out on the line and, and I think it was it was uh, have you ever seen Death and, have you ever watched Death and Paradise mm, oh, I know what you mean it's no, like um, it. it's like an, they're hour long episodes and mm. it's like 45 minutes of the detective being absolutely clueless and then like <laughs> <laughs> someone will say one thing to him and it will just put together the whole story. <laughs> um, which is one which, crumb of evidence. Yeah, that he's like, I've cracked it all. Yeah, like the biggest reach. Um, <laughs> and actually, I mean, there's loads of series of it. I, I ended up stopping watching after like series nine, but he so did well then. Yeah, they're <laughs> really good. They're really entertaining, to be fair. Um, and and it was always like you know 45 minutes in you could you could probably see the producer in the background the producer's going right we need to somehow wrap this up (laughs) (laughs) and the detective will sneeze and work it out Um, (laughs) there there was there was an element of that to this but you know that's but again when you've got a plot already there it's almost like you're just nodding to it it's going all right cool we got this like already laid out for us so we're going to go like off for a little bit and play around with the the feelings and the and the sort of you know I'm going to use the term semantic field again and then we'll just like come back to it because you already know what happens because mm. most of you even if you haven't read the books are familiar with the story mm. the only the, 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 the one of these one of the issues not issues I never like really suspected anyone if the, do you know what I mean like so I feel like in any type of mystery you always suspect two or three people like you're like it has to be them yeah and I didn't really get that here, um, which which was a bit confusing to me. Like there was no one I was ever really convinced that it was going to be them. And and whether that's because I've seen too much of this stuff, and I'm always like, well, it's never going to be the first person you suspect. Mm. Um, but you know, when you're like watching something and it's like you're just convinced that it's th- yeah, th- yeah that person's yeah. got the motive, the opportunity, yeah. blah blah blah, and then it turns out not to be the f- the. There was, there was, it was never misleading enough. I yeah. think for me, that's the. I guess that would be the only criticism. I didn't ever felt really misled. Uh, well, that kind of works though sometimes because obviously, like, I like being misled though. Yeah, but I think it's kind of like almost a cliche uh, device, isn't it? Like having the really obvious red herring. Like it's this guy, it's this guy. You know, like it must be him or it must be her or it must be that kid, <laughs> and ultimately, like you almost know you're being misled because it's almost too obvious. And I think Agatha Christie like is really aware of that and played on that really well with the murder in the Orient Express because the whole way through you're thinking, oh, it could be any of them. And then, of course, the big twist, it's all of them. Mm. Like, that's, and, you know, you think that a lot of the time, don't you? I mean, just like um, this movie, Orient Express is a trapped, um, confined space. They're all on a train. It's like, well, you know, the train's moving and by the time the train gets to its destination, Poirot needs to work it out. And you're thinking like, it could be any of them. It could be all of them. It could mm. be an allegiance between some of them, or it could be every single one. And of course, it is all of them. I like, I like, I like that. That's always an option. And Agatha Christie's aware of that. Like, and that's the, the same in this one, isn't it? Like, he Poirot does discover a uh, alliance between the writer and the old and his bodyguard, the old cop. Um, there's all. There's more than just it's one of them, or it's one of the others, or it's a, uh, it's, I don't know. It's the obvious red herring. It could be any combination yeah. of those. And everyone's well. up to something. Yeah. Everyone's always up to something. I, I I do wonder like what the story looks like when the first person you predict 
is like the the problem actually is the the problem as well but like the story throws you off it mid mid midway through because I, I don't feel like that happens that often where you like suspect someone and then actually at the end it is that person straight away like I feel yeah. like shows or films always deviate from like the really obvious one and I, I, I'll be interested to see what yeah. how a show or a movie can create a situation where it is that person like it, it just is that person but you're thrown off after you've initially suspect them um, yeah. I haven't seen too much of that and I wonder how it would work because I don't think anyone really likes working something out straight away yeah well that's it yeah because that's I mean that's what's so interesting about the genre isn't it like you can't be too obvious you can't be too what's the opposite of obvious (laughs) (laughs) you can't hide it too well so it's just not fun yes I mean this is the age old question isn't it like and the question that dominates this genre like how do you mislead an audience that's expecting to be misled yeah how do you trick someone expecting to be tricked like it's it's like a magic act isn't it yeah um and it is it is really clever i think i and it's fun it's fun it's limited but it's fun <laughs>